it's kind of a really good time to be pivoting from, you know, purely financial returns to growth and development returns. Yeah, definitely. Well timed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Scott. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This week, Michelle Gonzalez of M12, Microsoft's Venture Capital Fund. Let's start out with what M12 means. Ah, that's a good question. Um, So M is for Microsoft, and 12 is the the number of letters in the word entrepreneur. So I actually think the the name is uh, very apropos because we are uh, Microsoft's venture fund and we focus on um, founders. I, you know, I thought it might be influenced by A16Z, but it turns <laughs> out computer scientists do this all the time. This is a common way of abbreviation. Well, I hear a rumor from our uh, head of marketing that we did actually hire, uh, prior to me joining uh, the fund, A16Z's brand manager. But I love that <laughs> that there's actually a technological... Uh, <laughs> so my first suspicion may have been the right one. You were, yes. Oftentimes, that's, uh, that is the, t- the oh, case. Yes. A16Z, if you're just learning about venture capital in the Valley, is... Andreessen Horowitz. There are 16 letters spelling out the name between the A in Andreessen and the Z at the end of Horowitz. Well, there's there's an L.A. firm called M13 also. Oh, no. Like, yeah, I know, but they were after us. Um, but again, I don't know what they mean, what the 13 right. means either. All right, not to get pedantic, and we may be too late for that now, but I know this one because we've had Carl Alomar on from M13 on the podcast. That stands for Messier 13, the star cluster. Okay, I promise we are done with name origins. Back to M12, Microsoft. Michelle was put in charge in the summer of 2021, and she made a big change at the firm, moving its focus from just making money to a venture firm that looked for investments that would help Microsoft long-term. When you were put in charge, you helped pivot towards more of incubation and more what helps Microsoft because the business of Microsoft is Microsoft. Yeah, I led the strategic shift two years ago, um, so that we were more, we were more focused. Um, so the organization is now thesis driven um, in a number of areas uh, that are um, strategically aligned to Microsoft. So we invest in cybersecurity, we invest in generative AI, we invest in cloud infrastructure, uh, as well as deep tech uh, and enterprise SaaS. 
so we've pivoted the team to become almost have major and minor, so subject matter experts, uh, folks on the team that can go really deep, really understand uh, those areas, be more proactive versus reactive uh, in terms of the companies that we're focused on. And we also have half the team focused on the success of our portfolio uh, from uh, and through Microsoft. So again, connecting companies with uh, access to partnerships, distribution, technology. Uh, so all of those things um, require, uh, if you've ever worked kind of big company versus small company, right? There's a uh, very different time horizons, different ways of speaking. And so we have folks that are there to help navigate uh, for, for our startups. Um, but that was really necessary for us to deliver on that promise of more than capital. Uh, we are also um, providing kind of, again, that, uh, that, 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 plus plus so that we can uh, drive, again, the growth for some of our portfolio companies. Not everybody agreed with it. I mean, some executives left, some investors left. Uh, but you felt it was the right way to go. And I assume Satya thought it was the right way to go. <laughs> yes. I think, you know, look, our, our team needed to evolve. Just like in startup, you know, in the startup world, we've seen this seismic shift with Gen AI. There's been a lot of evolution. Uh, companies, you know, pivoting. Capital was freely flowing when interest rates were zero. Now it's different. It was growth at all costs. And now it's focused on uh, efficiency uh, and growing uh, sustainably. And quite frankly, you know, a lot of the company... Lot of investors are looking for profitability or cash flow, you know, break even. And so just like, you know, the the startup world and ecosystem, we needed to evolve to better serve um, our founders uh, as well. And we, you know, have a team that's very excited about uh, our mission and uh, and we're, we're excited. It's kind of a really good time to be pivoting from, you know, purely financial returns to growth and development returns. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well-timed. Think- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> I cut you off, you think? Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say, look, I think particularly in the growth stage, a number of companies are having to, you know, make adjustments and and pivot and truly determine if they've got product market fit um, with, you know, budgets being tighter uh, and... um, uh, the the need to again to to grow sustainably and profitably, and you know again we've had this seismic shift with with Gen AI and a number of companies you know needing to adapt because there's been I was just reading Crunchbase had nine thousand new Gen AI you know or AI companies that were started you know in the last year, and so you know there's even for existing startups uh, they will need to evolve right to take advantage of the technology. You even uh, tried to use generative AI to write the announcement that you were pivoting M12. Yes. <laughs> how'd, that, how'd that work out? You know, it's actually been pretty, um, I think it's getting better and better, right? So I think um, we I, we initially kind of had a a, uh, a version of that and then we ended up uh, 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 reverting to kind of analog with humans. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think actually, um, I'm speaking on a panel on Wednesday um, interviewing a number of uh, Latinx VC and technology uh, investors and uh, we we originally we gave ChatGPT a, a prompt that said we were here are the people we're we're going to be interviewing here uh, is kind of some of the goals of uh, of the interview and panel and write us up a script and it was yeah. 
I would say 90% there in terms of like some good questions, like my kind of, as I'm the moderator, uh, my kind of bullet points uh, uh, to to hit. And then we just kind of, again, had uh, 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 some light editing, but things I, are things are getting better. <laughs> I, do, I do a television show uh, called Press Here in which uh, my editor had given one of the segments a title uh, and it was such a clever title and he's, you know, fairly young in the business. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I shot him a text and said, I just want to say, I'm really, what a good job you did with, with thinking that up. And about four days went by and then there was this, you know, sort of meek text back. He said, Scott, I've been really upset about this the entire time. I, uh, that was chat GPT. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, hey, you know, it's a resource. You still did your job, right? Yeah. Actually, we found we've been starting to implement um, in our own organization uh, in terms of, you know, looking for research, right? Looking up as we kind of diligence, um, you know, companies. We used to have somebody that would take notes at some of our meetings and you'd be astonished uh, then uh, what the notes that come back from, you know, the team's uh, integration where it, it has summary of what happened, who said it, and yeah. then literally the action the items like the bullet points of what's, what is, you know, okay, Todd, uh, you know, is responsible for doing X, Y, Z. And again, it was astonishing. And that just allows, you know, that one, nobody really wants to be the note taker. And so it allows kind of folks to then fully participate in a, in a meeting um, or, or two, do something else, right? Like in terms of if you were just there to, to take notes and and do something that's more high value. So I'm actually pretty excited about what this is going to drive in terms of productivity uh, for, uh, you know, for, for folks like us. You told a venture capital newsletter you thought your team probably met with 100 AI companies a month. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't seem possible. It is. Um, I think the team's now met with at least over 600. So there was a bit of a, a swarm, I would say, in kind of the October and November timeframe um, where the team, you know, we were, each of us was, uh, you know, really kind of trying to understand what was happening, right? This was technology that was created. I mean, the attention, uh, all you need is attention paper from Google came out in 2017. So it wasn't, OpenAI has been around, you know, for some time, but um, it was really, you know, when uh, there was an application of ChatGPT uh, and the explosive growth that that saw and then what it spawned in terms of a number of startups. Uh, but it was, uh, I will say it was a constant. And some of that was one to many. So we were hosting a bunch of events. Sure. Uh, with our partners, uh, Microsoft for Startups, number of hackathons, as well as uh, one-on-one meetings. But it was uh, pretty intense. But it does give you the opportunity then to really understand a space and and build some theses, again, about how we think things will evolve. One of your investments is Typeface, which creates content. Um, That, that's what chat GPT is really good at and, and, and generative AI is the creation of content. Yeah, that's one of the things I think um, chat GPT now, especially with um, the launch of kind of multimodal where you have different, um, yeah. you know, inputs, right? Voice, et cetera, and, you know, image, text, uh, creation. I And they have, obviously, OpenAI has a number of different models. Um, call it Dolly, call it chat GPT, chat GPT, you know, three, four. Um, Typeface is a, a really interesting company started by the former CTO of Adobe who recognized that um, companies will want to be able to 
today, it's actually pretty cost prohibitive, right? And in, in a number of cases to create, you know, a lot of different, you know, advertisements in a, do- in a number of different languages. And for a lot of these global brands and then managing all that content, whether, uh, you know, from a, an IP perspective. And so uh, with what they are focused on is is really selling into the enterprise um, with kind of all of the trust and safety and management that's that's needed um, uh, for that. And I think it's a, a very interesting use case. Um, you're starting to see a number of companies uh, focus on kind of that marketing and and uh, video areas where, you know, perhaps in the past it was cost prohibitive to try out 10,000 images or, you know, create a number of videos in a number of different languages where now that cost is um, is coming down dramatically and uh, that then can increase kind of the uh, ability for those companies to, um, to have, you know, more personalized content for consumers. One of the things that I think people are generally aware of, but I think is underappreciated, is that Microsoft went from a giant in tech, a company so big the Justice Department was worried about it, to not a second-ran company, but it had its moments in which it had not. And then all of, you know, where its 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 accomplishment was the Zune uh, <laughs> uh, uh, music player. And then all of a sudden, Microsoft is once again one of the most important companies in all of tech. It's an extraordinary pivot, uh, not pivot, but <laughs> but an extraordinary, you know, just just lifespan. Yeah, and I think that doesn't come without great leadership. Yeah, having been in a number of companies, I've been at Apple, I've been at Google, uh, now Microsoft, and um, I forgot. I think maybe Microsoft's maybe forty years old. Um, plus, one of the things that my team and I t- uh, talk a lot about is that. Uh, the average lifespan of companies on the S&P 500 is getting shorter. I think it's like 17 years. And so, um, you know, the former uh, or the uh, co-founder of Intel's quote, uh, Andy Grove, only the paranoid survive, I think is is pretty uh, important to, to think about that you've got to keep, you know, transforming. But I do, um, I was here 16 years ago when I, I joined, I came up to Silicon Valley and um, the the Microsoft you know brand uh, wasn't in the the same leg as some of the the companies that were um, here and I think with Satya's leadership embracing open source buying GitHub buying LinkedIn. Um, really pivoting the company hard, and you can read about that. He's written about, um, you know, in his book, Hit Restart, about pivoting the company hard into cloud, even though it wasn't, you know, a, you know, completely obvious and it was a very tough choice. So making those tough calls, um, taking big bets, I think those uh, those acquisitions are, are big bets. I think the investment in open AI is big bets and, and you've got to do it before it's obvious. And so I, I do think that... Um, uh, credit um, to to Satya and his leadership team uh, for you know truly transforming the country the the company from a you know cultural standpoint, um, but then uh, also from a technological standpoint. You've mentioned that you've worked at uh, Apple. Um, you also worked at Comcast, which is the parent company uh, that employs me through NBC. Uh, and you worked in virtual reality at Comcast. <laughs> Convince me VR is even a 
thing. Uh, well, you know, at the back to your kind of you and Rajiv's, uh, you know, there there are sort of uh, you know new technologies that emerge, and I think for you know some time we've been you know thinking about what is that next thing outside of mobile, right? For for the particularly for consumers, and uh, typically there's a you know a hardware component, um, something that that happens that that changed. You mentioned you know the Zune or the iPod was right. something that uh, ushered in you know a lot of changes for the music industry. It was um, mostly the iPod, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, with virtual um, reality, and we were also looking at um, augmented reality, uh, the thought is, you know, look, I, I think there are some, you know, pretty interesting use cases. I think, you know, for folks that uh, are um, fans, they're, they're super fans, right? right? In terms of games and, you know, perhaps uh, some of the things that we were also looking for is in, um, could that be an interesting use case for the, the game, um, rather the, the studio parks, um, right? So, uh, when you're going to, you know, the Universal, uh, Studios Park, could that be something that's interesting as well? I think for us, uh, we were making a number of bets um, in different areas. So investments in areas in uh, animation, uh, investments uh, in areas that were focused on sports, um, some in, in hardware, some in AR, uh, to to learn and to see if there was, um, you know, Comcast with, you know, as you mentioned with NBC Universal is a content company and, and a, you know, and a, a parks company. And so I think uh, the thought there was uh, investing in areas, one, to make money, but then two. Uh, to see if there was uh, opportunities uh, to leverage some of the assets that Comcast had, which uh, was content uh, through this new uh, technology. I think we're still um, uh, TVD uh, on, yeah. you know, the metaverse. And I'm some not of convinced. These. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is important, though, for legacy companies, even if they don't end up pursuing, and I'm not aware of a Comcast virtual reality headset, um, <laughs> but I think it's important for legacy companies to say, we need to at least understand what this is. We need a working knowledge of this so we don't get caught flat-footed. Yeah. I, um, I've i always, I felt like most of my career has been at that intersection of, of innovation and um, within kind of also bigger corporations. And I think um, oftentimes in a corporation, and I was a product manager uh, at, at Apple where you're looking, you know, maybe you're looking quarter to quarter, maybe you're even looking a year or two ahead, um, but you're not looking 10 years ahead. You're not looking five to seven. And oftentimes, you know, what's happening uh, with startups seems very small, seems in some ways mm-hmm. kind of insignificant until it's not. And so um, I agree with your statement in terms of it's important to uh, to learn. It's important uh, in the case of Comcast. Um, you know, the majority of the the ventures team was based in San Francisco, not Philadelphia. Uh, it's important to be, you know, again, kind of uh, really, you know, embedded in the in the community, uh, and and then you know, experimenting, right, and and keeping an open mind, uh, always being kind of intellectually curious. And I think as an investor, it's you know, my my day is filled with meeting with you know, amazing you know, founders, folks in the venture uh, and startup ecosystem. And, you know, others in, in the corporation are really focused on, you know, their product and and uh, as they should be, right? Uh, and so I, I think it's a nice uh, opportunity uh, to to your point for uh, a corporation to, to understand, to learn. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned before, I think uh, really, you know, oftentimes you, you do have to make these pivots. You do have to 
you know, make uh, some pretty risky bets in order to to continue to stay ahead. You made sort of a, a grand tour. You were at IBM. <laughs> you were at Google. You were at Apple. You were you are at Microsoft. Uh, you know, that's a that is a grand tour of the big names of of tech. Uh, thanks. It wasn't planned. I originally started uh, my career off in uh, the film industry down in Los Angeles at MGM Studios. Uh, moved up here uh, to the Bay Area. Um, very fortunate enough, as I mentioned, to start at Apple the, the month the App Store launched, right. and uh, had the opportunity to to learn product management. and uh, And I would say. Um, Having this nonlinear, you know, career trying out, you know, venture at, at Google, I was running Area 120, which is their was their R and D incubation uh, efforts, uh, and now um, running uh, M12, uh, the fund, uh, uh, has all been uh, very interesting. I think the one kind of throw line is um, I've been uh, attracted to people. Um, in terms of people that I would um, get to work with, leadership teams, uh, and uh, as well as kind of, I think it's important to to think beyond kind of even your your direct boss, but the people that you'd be working for, the culture, uh, and what are you going to learn? And in the case of uh, you know, IBM and even Google, I learned about enterprise. Most of my career had been in consumer. And so understanding um, the the pretty big differences between uh, enterprise uh, and what it takes to sell into the enterprise uh, versus kind of a, a consumer um, product um, and how you build those products very different. Um, so I think kind of constant learning as well as, as people, uh, the people that you get to work with um, and the culture of the company. But uh, it definitely wasn't uh, uh, planned out, but I feel very fortunate to work for um, some truly incredible companies and leaders. Was there one company that did something that had a, a, a practice that you've you've carried to, to other companies, something, you know, oh, that Google did where mm-hmm. we are going to do it this way? Yeah. Um, one thing that I think um, I learned at, uh, at Google is one of their core values is thriving in ambiguity. And one of Microsoft's core values is creating clarity. And so, <laughs> so with our team and the type of work that we do, um, it can be uncomfortable to thrive mm-hmm. in ambiguity. We're making bets that are five to 10 years out. Most of our bets will fail because because we're focused on early stage investment at, you know, in some cases, the earliest stages. And so one of the things that, you know, I think I took from Google is how to have that resilience and uh, it's okay to not know, right? But to also then create kind of the uh, environment where people can take risks, where people can experiment and it's rewarded, um, it's not punished. And that's what we really need in, um, particularly in, in the venture community, is folks that are going to go out, you know, on a limb, that are going to be comfortable uh, and, and quite frankly, even thrive in that ambiguity because we don't know the answers. Um, so... Uh, I once had a friend, you know, say jokingly, well, why don't you just invest in in the, the good companies? You know? <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> and so um, so that that's when um, I would say value and uh, practice uh, that um, I've, I've 
you know, that I've embraced and uh, that I learned uh, at Google and, and uh, respect deeply uh, the company for um, having that cultural value. I suppose it'd be irresponsible if I didn't ask the opposite question. <laughs> that is, what was there something just so dumb, and, and maybe you don't mention the company, where you thought, <laughs> oh, we are, we're never doing that again. <laughs> so glad I am rid of that. Um, hmm. I will say uh, at a... Uh, certain company, um, we used to spend, I would say, <laughs> at least four weeks preparing for performance reviews and going through calibration uh, and folks writing novels uh, in order to get promoted and an appeals process, uh, even for that. Um, I... Um, I very much value again the uh, the ability to um, to connect to talk about um, uh, career goals uh, as well as um, you know how people are performing. Sure. But uh, to take that amount of time twice a year out of um, your your schedule, it, let's just say it wasn't my my favorite activity. <laughs> <laughs> More with Michelle Gonzalez in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I grew up, yeah, in the real Grand Valley. Yeah, a little yeah. town called Westlico. My my family uh, is still uh, still down there. Very different than Silicon Valley. Yes. Um, I'd say it's one of the poorest counties in, in Texas. Um, kind of a mix of, um, because we're so close to the Mexican border, uh, uh, a mix of cultures, um, which was um, a really kind of interesting upbringing. I will say when I go back uh, home, uh, not a lot of folks are talking about ChatGPT and mm -hmm. others. And uh, so it's it's definitely grounding in terms of uh, sometimes I think we can be a little bit in a echo chamber in a bubble here in Silicon Valley. And so really understanding, you know, what um, what's meaningful then to uh, a wider uh, community. What values did you bring out of small town Texas that still serve you well today? Mm. In my personal life, family. Um, so my dad's family is um, is Hispanic, and I think uh, one of the things that I love so much is it's um, 
very multi-generational, very, my mom's actually here uh, today and she helps out a lot with um, my daughter. And so I love um, having uh, my mom spend time. uh, And I think uh, having a, a, you know, kind of a close uh, extended family, um, which is a a value. um, And and you see that throughout where you have folks, you know, multi-generational living with, um, you know, their parents and grandparents. So that's, uh, that's one. And I think um, also some, you know, humility uh, as well. I think, uh, you know, for uh, for me, um, I am very, as I mentioned, kind of curious. I, I want to understand. I want to to learn. But I don't think I, you know, am a, you know that I know it all or that. Uh, and so, uh, Satya has a phrase of a learn it all versus you know know it all and. I think that was something that, you know, also being, um, you know, kind of from Texas, I, I you know, I want to be humble. I want to, you know, also uh, understand, um, you know, before kind of I would, you know, kind of express, let's say, a, you know, a strong opinion or so. You don't sound like you're from small town Texas. <laughs> I do say, still say y'all. And, um, but I've been living in California since 2001. <laughs> okay, so, fair enough. Yeah, yes. I know. <laughs> Speaking of family, you told someone once you wish your grandmother could see you now. Oh, yeah. Um, that was so I recently um, was uh, awarded uh, one of the top uh, 50 uh, Latinas. Uh, and um, and I was very close to my, my grandmother. Uh, uh, she was someone who I think we think she, um, you know, maybe got, um, kind of a grade school education. Um, so she had to go work and, um, but she always valued education. And so all, she had five children. They all went to college. Some of them even got a master's. Um, and, you know, I think, and then she had, you know, I would say most of her grandchildren also um, went to college and it, uh, for her education was, was so important. And so, um, I wish, um, she was here and I could kind of share this, um, you know, with her. She, she used to pick me up from school. Both my parents worked. So, um, you know, we relied on, on her to help, you know, take care of me and my cousins. And, um, you know, she was someone who was, uh, just, you know, incredibly, um, inspirational, uh, you know, in my life about what she had accomplished without, you know, kind of that education, but uh, how she instilled uh, the love of, of learning in her children and then by extension, her grandchildren. Michelle Gonzalez, global head of Microsoft's venture capital arm, M12. Sandhill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.